and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. Okay, and uh, thank you for listening. So here's the deal, everybody. Um, I'm going to be uh, going solo. Not solo on this one, but David is not here. He's not feeling very well. But guess who is here? But we do have a, a guest host for the first time. But Jason, listen to this. What's that? Not the last time. Oh, we oh have, my. Once we got over that, the initial hurdle uh, of like... Oh, do we do we have a guest host? Because we had a guest already on the books, and uh, and so we uh, so once we got over that initial hurdle, we decided that this is something that we're gonna you know if if David is sick or if one of us is out of town, I will we're now probably... poison David on a regular basis. You had a podcast. Oh, it's Jason Eakin, by the way. Hello. Okay, you had a podcast and you quit. No, no, no. I completed my podcast. It was over. Okay. So I did not continue. There was no sequel to the podcast. Is what you really mean to say? Okay. But you seem to ha- have no qualms about coming on here. Well, you know, I can I can help out a friend in need. <laughs> All right, and it's that kind of gold that is really making me rethink this immediately. Um, oh my! All right, anyway, so yeah, so uh, so sorry if it's a little jarring, everybody. That it's not uh, me and David. It is uh, it is a friend of the show, Jason Eakin. Yeah, is here. but really, I'm I'm not the one people are uh, are tuning in to to listen to today. Man, ain't that the truth? Uh, <laughs> All right. So, so we do have a guest, and it's very exciting. Uh, he's been in uh, a whole bunch of movies. <laughs> Just bunches and bunches. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's Doug Jones. Doug Jones! Hey, you guys. How are you? Doing all right. Yeah, How are I you? I could have listened to you two banter on for the entire hour. And <laughs> After I would have about been, three minutes, you I would just be your guest good. audience member. I don't, need, I don't need to be on the show. Just laugh, yeah. on, laugh on Mike, and you know, it kind of cues everyone else that, like, Oh, this is funny. Yeah, I'll oh, be, okay. I'll, I'll be your Ed McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great, you guys. Oh, oh, oh. See, at least one person thinks these two are funny. Yeah, right, right. That's right. That's oh, and it's a, oh, it's a famous person. I should do what he says. That's right. But uh, So, yeah, so, Doug, uh, thanks for being here. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so, I guess, uh, for those that don't know already, we'll get to know you uh, a little bit at the top of the show here. Um, it's kind of a broad question, but... Uh, how did you get started in this in, in acting? Okay, now that could be the whole hour there. Okay, uh, oh. slowly. See if you can do it like in three <laughs> in like three or four minutes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I started in the showbiz. I majored in radio and TV broadcasting in college back at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana, with a minor in theater. And uh, I then moved out to Los Angeles, California, in March of 1985 with the, the lovely young missus. We'd been married for less than a year, and that was for me to take a job at a bank. Um, <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, so that's my start in showbiz. I started at a bank. Uh, no, but it, it, it's kind of like uh, Thomas Edison when he said he fe- he discovered two thousand ways not to make a light bulb. Mm-hmm. I discovered at least one way not to make a living, oh, and that nice. was at the bank. Um, <laughs> Well, actually, they discovered that way for me because um, after eight months of employment with them, the reason we moved out here to California was to take the bank job. Well, actually, no, I'm going to lie. I'm lying. The reason we moved out here was for me to be in showbiz one day. Right. The excuse was the bank job to get us here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then, eight months after they hired me, uh, my supervisor had to sit down with the tilted head and then, hey, Doug, can we talk? (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So that was was the day that I went home in tears going, but we moved here for this job. And then I realized by the next day when the sun came up, it's like, "Mm, this is a good thing. It's a good thing, yeah. Because they they set me free from um, from an office life that I'm not built for. Some people are, and mm-hmm. and heaven love all of you for that, because the world can't survive without offices. However, um, when you're a creative type person, and it was a very square peg round hole situation, 
Upon release from the bank, I went on unemployment checks for six months. All right. Yes. And uh, Mrs. Laurie at the time was working as a receptionist at an advertising agency. Okay. So between that, we, could, we were scraping by. Okay. During that time, it's like, okay, we have six months of unemployment checks to decide. Okay. Showbiz. That's what we came out here for. Let's give it a go now. So I took a TV commercial acting workshop that I found in, advertised in Backstage West, uh, which is a little publication for actors out here in L.A., and I, uh, I uh, audited a few acting classes for TV commercials specifically because I thought that, was, that would be the easiest way to start, make my start was in commercials. And uh, uh, easiest. None of it's easy. I just <laughs> want to say that out loud. Um, so I ended up at this TV commercial workshop, and um, the guy who taught the, the, the class was Philip Carr, and he is... Uh, he's passed on now, so um, God rest his soul. He is going to be in my Oscar speech one day <laughs> if I ever get uh, with a statuette in my hand. He's, oh, come he's, on now. He's if. in my speech. Now, come yeah. on now. Now, what Oscar <laughs> do you want to win? Uh, I would be just happy. Actually, I'd be happy just getting asked to present best something. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> if I was ever to be nominated, best supporting actor would be just fine. I'm a character guy, and, and character people often get the best supporting you know, roles yes, anyway. So, uh, so that'd be just fine. One day, you know, hey, hey, no hurries. No hurries. They're going to be around. <laughs> uh, so so anyway, Philip Carr would be a part of that speech because he was the man that I would say discovered me. Mm-hmm. After my second class in that in that um, acting workshop, he came up to me and said, "Do you have an agent yet?" I said, "What is an agent?" <laughs> and that's when he handed <laughs> handed me his business card and said, "Call me at the office." He was the head uh, president of Wilhelmina Agency out here in Los Angeles, which is a mm-hmm. huge modeling name in New York. They had a good name out here, and TV commercial department was in the top ten in the city. So I fell into really good hands early on, and um, that's when the TV commercial business started. I started going out on auditions for things, and my very first commercial that I booked was the same exact week that my unemployment checks ran out six months after they started. Very right. nice. That, that's, that's, that's a God great. thing. That's, that's one of the things like, <laughs> nice. okay, I'm barking up the right tree then. Okay, yeah. all's good, all's good. You these little <laughs> thumbs up. And that was a TV commercial for Southwest Airlines. I played a dancing mummy for their fun fairs <laughs> for the summer. Yeah, It's as if they knew. Yeah. Just, that was kind of an omen of things to come, wasn't it? Wrapped in yeah. bandages from head to toe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then my TV commercials then kind of like started um, uh, snowballing from there. And it was when I landed in the Mac Tonight campaign, which was about two months later. It wasn't that long. Uh, the Mac Tonight campaign for McDonald's. Crescent moon head sunglasses mm-hmm. sang mm-hmm. at a piano for McDonald's. Um, it turned into a... 27 commercial campaign over the next three-year period. So nice. that kind of locked me in as yeah. guy who moves well, guy who wears crud on his face and doesn't complain about it, which mm-hmm. is a huge one. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and and the creature effects makeup industry. A lot. 27 commercials later, a lot of people had come in and out of that commercial campaign under the tutelage of Steve Neal at the time, who created the the Moonhead. Uh, so I met a lot of people in the creature effects business that would come work on a commercial with us, then go back to work uh, on at Stan Winston's shop or Greg Canham's shop or Tony Gardner's shop, where all the, these are big names in the yeah. makeup industry. So that's kind of how my name started getting passed around. Is like, oh wait, we, wait, wait, we did work with a tall, skinny guy uh, that could play <laughs> this alien you're designing. So let's call that guy from that Mac Tonight commercial. So that's kind of how it started. That's okay. awesome. All right, how'd I do? Now, <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> oh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to go fast. I'm trying to go. Whew. That's, you did very well. Okay, okay, thank you. Thank very you, well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Not, too, not too brisk. You gave a nice overview. Yeah, uh, thank you. Good, good, good. So I'll, I'd like to dive more into your past because I know oh, you, oh. you did some, some mime work oh, in college. Oh, child, child. Yes. Do we have to? Okay, well, uh, yes, and I'm proud of my miming. I, I'm, no, I'm going to stand here. I'm going to sit here with pride. I'm going to be in my posture. For those of you who can't see, I'm sitting upright. 
Um, yes, it was That's a mime. I started, <laughs> I started a mime in college, as a mime in college, uh, with a group called Mime Over Matter. Get <laughs> it? <laughs> See? No, this is funny. Now, hang on now. Jason, it's mime instead of mind. Uh-huh. That's why it's funny. That's why it's funny. Was it matter like M A D D E R? Oh my gosh! <laughs> right, right. Mime? No, no, no. Then we're getting into the mad. No, no, no. We're not. Never mind. I'm just, I'm conf- you're confusing me, you I'm people. Sorry. I'm uh, sorry. This is like letters and oh, Jason. Man, uh, this is not. But my, my, out. my question is this: So even from like then, mm-hmm. was there something that drew you to? Because that's, I mean, it's miming. It's completely non-vocal. Was there something that drew you to very physical uh, acting and, and things like that? It, uh, I didn't go seeking the mime troupe as a, as, as a thing. The guy in charge of the mime troupe was um, Reed K. Steele. He was a senior when I was a freshman at college, mm. lived down the hall in the dorm from me. Oh. Would see me in the uh, cafeteria, talking to my friends with my hands flailing about, my face making all kinds of... I'm very expressive yeah. visually mm. as a person anyway. That's just kind of how I communicate. So this senior is like sitting back watching me, and he's also built like I am, tall, skinny guy. Mm-hmm. And one day he said to me, do you know what mime is? And I was like, mime what? Mime this? Mime that? <laughs> and he said, like pantomime. Uh, he said, would you come see one of our shows? Uh, and that was the Mime Over Matter troupe, and he was in charge of it. He started it. I went and saw one of their shows a couple of weeks later uh, near the campus. They were performing for some group somewhere. And I sat in the audience mesmerized mm-hmm. by watching an hour and a half performance uh, with m- numerous sketches in it and storylines and uh, music on a piano was the only accompaniment they had, and it's a bunch of people with white makeup and black lines on their face, leotards, and a black curtain behind them, and all these worlds and actions and storylines and characters were being created in my imagination because mm-hmm. of these people on stage. That's what got me. Hmm. Okay. It was an art form that I could appreciate immediately and uh, and that I understood because I'm so physical. I always have been, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of the mime bits are what woke up... Um, the, that part of performing in me, not just communicating like at the in the lunchroom, right? But um, as a performer, um, well, as people, we communicate with our entire being. Half the story is your words; the other half, honestly, mm-hmm. or even more sometimes, is your facial expression, your posture, your mm-hmm. gestures, mm-hmm. your physical language. Yeah. Um, th- that mime experience really woke that up in me, and, and incorporated that into my work as an actor, to the point where. I've been known as the movement guy now, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. so uh, uh, I'm very thankful for that background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, in fact, can I can I plug something while I'm here then sure. Go right while we're on the mime issue? Um, I just did a three day photo shoot like a couple of weeks ago for a coffee table photo book. Mm-hmm. Called mime very own book. Ah, yes. <laughs> okay, now Jason, it's mime instead of my. You see, that's why it's funny. That's why it's funny. Yeah. Right. Mime becomes possessive. <laughs> well, this mime does. That's for sure. Uh, uh, so, uh, so anyway, yeah, this is gonna, will be like a 200-page coffee table book um, coming out in December of 2011 is the release date they have for it. And so oh, it's, wow. a, it's, a, it's a long turnaround time for publishing, mm-hmm. uh, I'm told, especially with a photo book like this. There's a lot of work to be done now, uh, like post-production work, if you will. Yeah. So um, uh, I can't wait for that. This is kind of returning to my roots uh, and doing the whole white face, black lines. Black. I even wore the same black jumper that I had on in college. It's I've had oh, wow. it below these 30 years. So. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, you mean yeah. to say you haven't put on a lot of weight since college? 
Do I look like I've been <laughs> weight ever? Well, that's the joke, Doug. I'm, I'm not that dense. For, the, for those of you who can't see me right now, I'm six three and a half, and I weigh 140 pounds. Oh, so wow. that's Jeez. that's why the funny. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah, I'm just depressed now. No, no, All no. Right. no anyway. I'm, I'm freakishly skinny. You're not heavy. Trust oh, okay. Me. Thank Trust you. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's interesting. Uh, the idea of mime as an art form because for you know uh, for a long time, mime the concept of miming would be used like as a joke for stand-up comedians or well, something exactly. like that. Well, and making the tra- when I uh, doing mime on stage when I'm perfor- you know was hired to do the, the party gigs and stuff like that. That that was under the assumption that people wanted to see a mime. Right. My work as a mime in TV and, and film work, mm. uh, I did, I've done a lot of commercials and TV guest starring as a mime guy. Yeah. And it's always, it is without fail, always been to mock the mime. They want, oh. they, they want to shoot you in the foot. They want to make you, you know, stab you in the gut so you go, ow, you're like the mime rocks right. or whatever. Right. Right. So it's always a joke about the mime. Uh, um, so, yes. No, people, for some reason, don't resonate with mimes very well. And I think yeah. it's because of the... When a mime's on stage performing to an audience that, that came expecting that, mm-hmm. that's one thing. That's respectful. Mm-hmm. When a mime is following you around a theme park, like I did in the summer <laughs> of 1982 at Kings Island in Cincinnati, Ohio, they don't want you there. <laughs> Some guy with his kids walking down the, the, in the fountain area, uh, you know, we'll say, for instance, maybe, with this tall, skinny mime behind him making fun of him the way he's eating an ice cream cone. That's not mm-hmm. funny to him. Yeah. Uh, it's funny to people watching him, but then all of a sudden he's a part of the show, and, and people don't want to be a part of the show. Yeah. Right. They're, yeah, they're right. The immediacy right. of theater can get too close. And in that circumstance, <laughs> yeah. yes. That's why mimes have a bad rap is because yeah. so many of them are bad. Yeah. <laughs> are just bad people. Yeah. No, <laughs> but, no, but there are good mimes out there, and, and, it's, a, and it's a beautiful art form mm-hmm. uh, when, it's, uh, when it's respectfully handled. So yes. would it always be the, the mime over matter? Would that always be like in a theater, in a set performance That always type? was, yes. yes, it, yes, was yes. N- it was never like, we're going to go and do this thing. We're going to go make place. a happening at the mall. No, <laughs> we didn't do that. Okay. No, no. Gotcha. Oh, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 that is yeah. good. Have yeah. you seen uh, In Town? I, I haven't seen him, but he does a show f- on a fairly regular basis, which is uh, Billy the Mime. Have you seen any of his stuff? I've heard of Billy the Mime. I think I think we're friends on on the Facebook. Oh, okay. Uh, or the MySpace or, <laughs> okay. or Billy the Mime. I've heard of him. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been to see a show yet, though. I need to. There was a, a documentary called The uh, Aristocrats, which is the retelling yes. of that uh, horrific joke. It's <laughs> over on my shelf there. Oh, okay. Um, I, I love I love the film, and uh, and he actually they have Billy the Mime do a mime version of the, of joke. the joke. That's and, funny. Uh, That's funny. And it's it's really great. And then in the special features, they show some of his other, cause he does like full scenes completely, uh, you know, in mime and just, um, and it really like those special features are astounding. He does mm-hmm. one thing that is incredibly touching and mm-hmm. vaguely disturbing in which <laughs> what at the same time. Yeah. Touching right. and disturbing. Uh, uh, you'll see disturbing where, because of the touching. Yeah. I think you'll yeah. see where, <laughs> you'll see where I'm headed it in which he, uh, he plays basically, the doctor, the woman, and the unborn child in an abortion sequence, <gasps> and it's really wow. oh, I heard about that. yeah, and he injects like a lot of like emotion into it, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and it's really it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Wow. And watching that really made me because mine c- can be absolutely astounding, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, no, but yeah, I usually absolutely. I usually associate it with you know comedy, mm-hmm. and then I saw right. that where there's no comedy yeah. at all, yeah, and it just. It floored me. It yeah. really, I mean, I was, you know, I welled up at the end. It's really, it That's was really awesome. beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and the, the mime sketch, sketches I used to do would, would cover all that. We'd mm-hmm. do our comedy, we'd do our drama. 
and the, and our, our poignant things that made made people a tear you know yeah. in your eye. And this this coffee table book coming out is very tongue in cheek humor about itself. It mm-hmm. uh, uh, I pictured the Far Side type of humor yeah. put into a coffee table book with a mime guy and, and all these photos. So it's lots of puns and lots of recreating of famous pieces of artwork with me as a mime instead, mm-hmm. um, nice. uh, like Venus de Mimelo, for instance. Oh! I'm just going to toss that out there. Um, Jason, you know why that's funny. Okay. Yeah. I think so. Boy, I'm putting two, to two, two and two together. I'm trying. I'll yeah. get you after the show. Okay. <laughs> but uh, there's that. So I would say this book is every, if you like mimes, it's everything you like about mimes. If you hate mimes, it's also everything you hate about mimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds really, uh, sounds really amazing. Mime um, very own book. And s- mm. It sounds better when you do it in that voice, doesn't it? <laughs> I feel soothed. Yeah. I do. I just yeah. I want to take a nap. Let's take a break. <laughs> um, but uh, all right, so we've been going for a while. I guess we'll we'll start to get into you know some of the stuff that you're a little better known for right now. Um, and you know, uh, I think most people would associate you with Guillermo del Toro. You're mm. sort of his uh, his De Niro, or Not if you bit. will, DiCaprio. Oh. Yeah. Now, right. um, and so I was how did you... he was more like the uh, the J.K. Simmons, uh, how J.K. Simmons is for Jason Reitman. Okay, yeah, there he's you like go. a really like he's the supporting performance and, yeah. uh, and a presence that kind of. We, we also seem to get the uh, the Johnny Depp uh, uh, Tim Burton. Equation. Oh yeah, ah, I'd say that's a, I'd say that's pretty close. Which to. is you could you could be coupled with worse gangs of people than no this. Yeah, yeah. So thank you. So thank you for that. So how did you first uh, come to be uh, come to get to know? And did you just audition and then it just worked out really well? Or no, you know, I, I met Guillermo in 1997 uh, when I got this random phone call from a creature effects makeup person saying mm-hmm. we were doing reshoots for a little movie called Mimic. I love oh, yeah. Mimic. And, uh, I really enjoy Mimic. No, I, I did so too. Cool. And Mira Sorvino was a scientist, not so sure, but, well, but yeah. not at that age. She was young. She was young. Uh, but I she, was young when I saw it, so it worked. So it me. worked out fine for yeah, me. Totally yeah, totally fine. I, I hope scientists look like that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but uh, but uh, no, I, I, they were doing reshoots in L.A. And the, the Canadian actor that did the, the original production up in Toronto was not allowed to work here to do those reshoots. So oh. tall, skinny guy, who do we know? I got the phone call nice. yes. to wear a bug suit in a, in a couple of, like for three days. Nice. On day number two, Guillermo del Toro sat at, across the lunch table from me and said, tell me everything you've been in. <laughs> so I was like, well, wow. And we had this. Sounds kind of like an interrogation more it than anything did, else. But he was, but excitedly so. Oh, okay. Yeah, chin in hands, like, like little boy uh, wanting to know what monsters have I played? Nice. Who did the makeups on those monsters? And then I, I rattled off all the names of you know Oscar nominated and winning uh, you know uh, makeup people. And he was like, "Oh, I love his work." And he's and, and he told me that he had done his own creature effects makeup in Mexico, and he had, that's how he started. And he put he's always wanted to make monsters and make movies about monsters, and so that's how he kind of got his start. So we kind of connected on the let's wear some latex rubber and, and growl. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, nice. Well, that, that almost sounds kinky. I'm sorry, uh, but we, we, we connected. <laughs> no, we connected on a certain level. It always was in my mind. In my, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> There's another way to take that. Uh, so uh, uh, before I left, uh, before lunch was over, he said, "Do you have a card?" So I happened to have a card with a drawing of myself on it, a goofy line drawing of my profile, going with my mouth open and my phone number coming out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> Uh, and you, you can do funny drawings of yourself when you have an overbite like mine. You can, you can. So, uh, so he he chuckled as he looked at my card and goes, "Oh, that's great!" and put it in his wallet. Well, five years later, mm. uh, uh, I got another random phone call from Steve Wang, who is a brilliant makeup designer uh, and creature designer um, artist. He's calling me from a restaurant. They're out to dinner with. Um, uh, 
uh, Guillermo del Toro and um, and all the creature effects team that was pulling together the Abe Sapien character for the Hellboy movie, the first mm-hmm. Hellboy movie. Nice. And earlier that day, as legend goes, um, they had been um, the the sculptor Jose Fernandez had just finished up making the maquette. Here's the final design that Steve Wang had given him under the tutelage of Mike Elizaldi, the head of Spectral Motion, the Creature Shop. So these three characters are in this room finalizing. Here's what we're going to present to Guillermo. Guillermo comes into the room uh, at his appointed time during the day. And uh, when they unveil the Abe Sapien maquette to him, legend has it that he fell to his knees and said, I am so fat. <laughs> <laughs> which we which we think was his na- his way of saying that's a beautiful gorgeous long life creature you've made there. Uh so uh, that's when that's when when um one of the three people said you know who this looks like is Doug Jones. Mm-hmm. And then Guillermo said Doug Jones. I know Doug Jones and pulled that card out of his wallet 5 years after I oh, gave wow, it to him. Nice. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a great way to get started. Hellboy was the movie that really cemented our relationship mm-hmm. and and you know we got a good actor director uh, simpatico going there. Yeah. And then uh after the first Hellboy movie I got another random phone call mm, a, a year after Hellboy came out. Uh, saying uh hey I've got this little Spanish movie that I'm working on in Spain and um you're the only one who can play the title character of Pan in mm-hmm. Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. So that that was the movie then that took us to an incredible height together because it was the little little independent movie that could foreign mm-hmm. language yeah. film. I was the only American actor in it. Um, how 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 big and wide do foreign language films go? Yeah. That was mm-hmm. all, those were all ifs that we didn't know. Yeah. And then before long, before the process is over, um, I've played two characters in the film, uh, a memorable pale man with the eyes in his hands, yeah. along with the fawn who, speaking Spanish to the little girl, things I could never thought I was capable of doing. Right. And, um, and then walking down the red carpet at the Oscars with six nominations, um, yeah. uh, talking to people like Joan Rivers about this movie that I'm so proud mm-hmm. of. I, that was quite a ride to go on with Guillermo del Toro. So that, that, that's a relationship that no one can take that away from either of us now. You know? yeah. um, he's, he's, um, every director in the world knows that Guillermo's my favorite. And we just know that going in, so mm-hmm. it's fine. <laughs> no no yeah. one's jealous. It's fine. We just understand. And, um, and he's been quoted as saying that, that you know, he'll, he'll have me in most everything he does. He's, I, he's referred to me as his good luck charm, which I, is very humbling. I, I, don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can bear the brunt of that or the weight of that mm-hmm. but um uh, but at the at the uh Saturn Awards last year a year and a half ago um you know with this whole he's directing the Hobbit next so mm-hmm. right. uh, you know after so after Mimic Hellboy 1 Pan's Labyrinth and now Hellboy 2 mm-hmm. um after those four movies together um he gets announced as the director of the Hobbit and so everyone starts making these Tim Burton Johnny Depp assumptions immediately right. but of right. course the rumors start about me immediately um, he answered those early on by saying, uh, well, I've, I have nothing official to report, but let me say that if I direct a hemorrhoid commercial, Doug Jones will be in it. <laughs> so we, we hypothesize it will be as the hemorrhoid. Yeah, right. I, I, right. I, never that's not, never yeah. is just the normal that's looking guy. That's not an outlandish hypothesis yeah. to make. I, uh, there's got to be a rubber suit with a, a pus oozing out of the head somewhere. I don't that know. That sounds like the scariest commercial <laughs> ever. I've ever mm-hmm. heard of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One day he'll make it. He will. I'll buy that lotion, though. There's, there's no question. If only to make it stop. <laughs> I think okay. I'm, more, I'm more afraid of the commercial than the hemorrhoids. Look, I'll buy your product. Just stop this campaign, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now let me ask you, because, uh, again, these are all very physical performances. Like, mm-hmm. 
How do you go about assembling one of those characters, especially when, like, in, in something like Pan's Labyrinth or the second Hellboy movie, mm-hmm. you're playing multiple characters yeah. with wildly different physicalities? Like, right. how do you go about constructing uh, those 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 characters? Yeah, meh. Um, <laughs> well, this uh, here's another hour. Sorry, <laughs> I'm going to launch into the diatribe now. Please you got, do. You got six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I like having deadlines. Deadlines are good. Um, no, uh, uh for, uh, Seven if it's funny. Yes. <laughs> okay, six it is. Uh, um, we um, any actor prepares the same way, basically. So I, I I don't want to I don't want to take myself out of the role of actor. Um, I've been referred to as um, suit performer or movement specialist or something. And and really. I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who does what I do has to find the heart and soul of a character and what motivates, and, and that's what's going to motivate any of this movement physicality that comes right. from it. Okay, so any actor that takes on any role, whether it's a creature or whether it's a guy in a T-shirt and jeans, um, there's a physicality that comes with that person or that being. So I start with reading the script, getting an idea of the story, where this character plays in the story, how he plays, what his relationships are with the other characters, and now we, we have some place to start with like any actor would do. Mm-hmm. When I, when I make a left turn and go off that page a little bit <laughs> is when it's a fantastical character with mm-hmm. elements that have to be brought in from either nature, whether it's a goat man, a tree man like, like Pan yeah. was, a fish man like Abe Sapien was, um, or, a, uh, or an angel, uh, mm-hmm. which is yeah. otherworldly like the angel of death was mm-hmm. in, in Hellboy 2. Um, some you can research, some you can't. Uh, there are aliens from outer space I've played that I can't research. I can't go, you know, to the re- to the alien nursing home and like and, and interview people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I, it's more like um, you have to just kind of like find an organic ecosystem for this character uh, as his will, his intention, his fears, his hopes, his interactions with other characters comes alive in you with rehearsal, with thought time, with whatever. Uh, Meeting with the director, as Guillermo will do with me ahead of a movie, um, he'll he'll mention specific quirks that he might want to see. Okay. In, with Abe Sapien, uh, during one of my costume fittings, my hands were doing this floaty bit with this, this sort of like very fluid wave like uh, motion. With my head doing more of a more of a of an inquisitive perky jarting jarting around movement, as I'd seen my own fish do in my tank at home. Mm-hmm. Um, Guillermo just pointed at me and said, "That I love it. Keep it in." That was all the more discussion we had about uh, Abe Sapien. I love that if, if he wasn't a, a Spanish director, we would think of him as like chomping a cigar. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> like, I know, yeah, yeah. It could be either one if someone doesn't but, know yeah. Guillermo del Toro. The Spanish makes him charming. It does. It, does. it, it really does. does. No, no. Everything about him makes him charming. Um, he, uh, so, so and the same thing then with Pan's Labyrinth. The, the Fawn character especially was, was the, huh, what do I do with him? Um, so he... Uh, that was quite a physical ride to go on. And so that was the toughest role I've ever had because I'm speaking reams of Spanish dialogue. That, yeah. was, a, that was a brain issue for me, yeah. along with five-hour makeup and costume application uh, to start a very physical day, you know. Um, How long the, were the shooting days once well, you got into makeup? Well, once I was in makeup, then we would shoot for 10 to 12 hours, okay. and then my, my teardown time was another two hours. So oh those were some long mama honking yeah. days. Yeah. Um, uh, so... With the fawn character, um, I had to bring in a couple things. Here's here's what it, what our, our pre discussion went into. Um, goat. There's a there's, he, he's a fawn. He's got ram horns on his head. Mm-hmm. So let's bring in some nature there. He wanted me to look at the hind quarter of barn animals, specifically goats. How do their how does their hoof meet the meet the ground? Mm-hmm. How do they step? How do they walk? How do they shake flies off? 
couple times you'll see where I could do a little jittery thing uh, as pan, and that's because of that shaking flies off piece of direction that I got before we started making the movie. And, and you I, were on stilts as well. And I was on stilts. I was I was up on. I was up about nine inches off the ground. Oh, uh, wow. I was around seven feet tall, you know, with with all the, wow. the head headgear on and everything. Uh, working with a four foot tall girl, yeah. uh, uh, so it meant a lot of squatting for Dougie when they wanted us on camera together. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, so that. Then also, I was uh, the, the fawn character was aging backwards. If you watch the movie again, you'll see that when you meet me, um, I'm more colorless. Uh, my eyes look more cataracty, hmm. and and uh, I'm whiter, grayer, and moving a little bit more. Uh, uh, um, Woodenly, more yeah. more um, stiff, I'm stiffer. As the movie progresses, every time you see me, I'm a little bit more colorful, a little bit more fluid with each take. Hmm. Uh, and then by the end of the film, I finally reveal myself in Wonderland, where she's gone back to be claim her rightful place as the princess. Mm-hmm. Um, is when I'm fully auburn haired and very fluid and very uh, hmm. happy to see her and, and happy that she's passed her test. So, yeah. uh, so there was a lot a lot of thought to go in. I had to know where we were in the script each day with every as you would anyway. But but that aging backwards physicality was something that I really had to prethink. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's just one example yeah. of of. of this preparation time. Now, what I'll do too, I will go into a gym, my twenty-four hour fitness, and I just gave them a free plug because uh, uh, <laughs> they're open because they're twenty-four hours. Yeah, I go into the the aerobics room where all the mirrors are on the big wood floor after the classes are over for the day, and I look at myself in the mirror wearing nothing but like spandex, pretty much, and start with every all the, that that script, that discussion with the director, and my thoughts are now in front of a mirror. Mm-hmm. Now. What's go- and this is without a costume or makeup. This is just me thinking how, what's required of me? Am I going to crawl up walls? Am I going to hop, skip, jump, leap? What do I have to do? Right. And I work out how does this character organically do that? And, it, and until it looks right in the mirror, I'll stay there until the wee hours of the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. Nice. Then, uh, then comes the makeup process, which can change everything. Yeah. When you're getting fitted for costumes and makeup, then you've got like, mm, there's a headpiece that has these horns that go all the way out to here. A slight tilt of the head is very exaggerated with that kind of a thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Finger extensions will change everything you do with your hands as well. Yeah. Um, and these leg extensions with stilts or whatever, or recently in, in the movie Legion, for mm-hmm. instance. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. When I played this, like, this uh, possessed ice cream man who who looks kind of halfway normal when you meet him and then turns rapidly into something else. Yeah. Um, I'm wearing arm and leg extensions that go way, I mean, yards out of my, out of my own reach. Uh, so that required Dougie going to a gym and getting that kind of um, crawling on all fours physicality down as though it's organic, as though it's right. something that I can just do. Yeah, the character is vaguely, uh, maybe not even so vaguely ape-like uh, after those uh, extensions come in, like right. the way he right. is running and towards I, right. the diner. And that was not CG, that was Dougie uh, yeah. in extensions actually clumping at you on all fours uh, nice. with heavy, heavy extensions. So yeah. that meant going to the gym and working out specific areas of me to make that look natural, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's all part of the process. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. All right. Um, and so it's, uh, let's see. There's a lot of, uh, you mentioned a lot of things, and now I don't know which direction know. to go. Well, yeah, interject any time. Interrupt me. Uh, tell, <laughs> tell me to shut up for a minute so you can, uh, so you can build on that thought. Well, I'm not going to phrase it that way. Yeah, shut um, up. But, <laughs> I Doug, say, Doug, okay, look. 
I understand you're the guest and everything. This is my show. My show. So <laughs> just shut your mouth for one second. Shut your pie hole. Um, they call it Tyler Talk. <laughs> hey, when David's not here to rein me in. Yeah, Battleship What is Tyler Talk today. That's right. Yeah, let's forget the the fairly clever title and go with something much less. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's the one of the questions that I had was I was watching um, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, in which you played mm-hmm. Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was an interesting... That that brought up an interesting question in, in my mind, which was, in this case, you're playing a character that has been visually represented a lot in, still, in comic books. In drawings. Right. And you know that there's going to be a big fan base. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that, you know, did you feel the need? It's like, well, I need to try and replicate some of these. Absolutely. Okay. And then that means you have to also motivate them. Yes. Uh, Get- like, independently of that. Exactly. I mean, uh, what what the Silver Surfer brought with it was a huge responsibility to these mm-hmm. fans you're talking about, who yeah. who this character is very beloved to. Mm-hmm. Dougie went to that's me. I'm Dougie, by the way. I went to a comic book store as soon as I heard that the possibility of this character was even in my lap. Mm-hmm. Went to a comic because I was not familiar with the Silver Surfer. I'd heard of heard of him, knew that he was a part of the Marvel family, but didn't grow up reading the comic books or mm-hmm. seeing anything about him. So. I had some research to do because I owed it to the fans who had grown up with him. Right. Yeah. So I uh, went to a comic book store and I said to the kid behind the counter, Silver Surfer, what do you have? Show me. And he's like, he got all excited. And seeing his reaction to the surfer was like, nice. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. Now I, I <laughs> okay, the responsibility just got a little heavier. Yeah. Uh, he goes ripping the things off shelves. Oh, then here's like an, uh, here's volume blah, blah, of the ha. And he's introduced. <laughs> right. So he pulls off all the Fantastic Four stuff. Like I got like an anthology type of a book uh, mm-hmm. full of, and it was volume 49, 48, 47, somewhere in there, I, 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 where uh, of the Fantastic Four issues that mm-hmm. the surfer was introduced in. Mm-hmm. So I got the introduction and his, his you know, his uh, interaction with them. And then he branched off and uh, uh, the Silver Surfer became his own standalone comic book. So I got all that old stuff. The original artwork of Jack Kirby, the original mm-hmm. writing of Stan Lee were just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I fell madly in love with his, with the surfer's poetry his heroism, his masculinity. And mm-hmm. if you're looking at me again, I'm the skinny guy who gestures with his hands a lot. No. So to take on the surfer was, okay, there's another there's something. This required Doug to throttle back quite mm-hmm. a bit and find this confidence that the surfer brings with him. Mm-hmm. He's, so, he's got the power cosmic. He, can, he could destroy this entire building we're sitting in right now with the flick of one hand. Yeah. So with that kind of power, it brings some confidence that you don't really need to impress anybody really yeah um that's the uh, polar opposite of my own personality i feel like i have to like flail everything to make sure you're listening to me mm-hmm. the surfer doesn't have to do that so uh so with that um came lots of of uh, uh, uh posture a lot of posture uh, presentation and and strengthening of my core muscles around the ab and, and lower back region to get my my standing stance to be mm-hmm. strong and mm-hmm. yet graceful yeah. these these original drawings were so balletic and poetic uh so um i had a movement coach terry notary that that uh, that would that kept me on task with all of this and we would get some of those classic poses and find a way to move from one to the other mm-hmm. and um and so i think the end result was was gorgeous but um mm-hmm. But wow, the biggest issue for me was just trusting that a, a slight turn of the head and sizzling your eyes into another character 
was enough that the mm-hmm. audience would read it. And I think for me, one of my favorite scenes was was the least physical of uh, in the Silver Surfer was when I'm tied down to the interrogation room table mm-hmm. when I've lost my power. Mm-hmm. Sue Storm, played by Jessica Alba, <laughs> comes walking into the room uh, uh, invisibly. She sneaks in to uh, interview me quickly about like who are you, where did you come from, why did you save my life back at the when the missiles were coming at us, blah blah blah. And uh, it's just a very stoic, pulled back interaction that I have with her that's that was that ran very deep I remember Mm -hmm. filming that day and and a lot of people had even said on the set that that was Jessica's best best moment in the film Mm -hmm. and I felt that it was mine as well because we really had a great connection that that day Mm -hmm. uh, that that had that didn't require flailing of arms and legs you know what I mean yeah Mm -hmm. yeah now uh, now Lawrence Fishburne provided the voice. Larry and, Fishburne. So I'm sorry, Larry Fishburne. I'm think yeah. If you're, you're right. in the biz, right? Uh, you know. uh, yeah. Or or you're a fan of Apocalypse Now. Um, <laughs> but uh, so he did the voice of, of the Silver Surfer, and then in the first Hellboy, David Hyde Pierce did the voice of Abe Sapien. And uh, in the end result, now that I can, uh, maybe I'll okay. reiterate and say that that um, on film, uh, on the day film, mm-hmm. filming these these characters, um, I did the entire character. Okay. What happened was a voiceover that happened at, in post production. Yes. And I have to assume that was probably not the director's idea. Um, um, oftentimes, it will be the studio's idea. Yeah. Um, to because when I did the first Hellboy movie, I came into it as an unknown. I've been working for twenty years as right. an actor, uh, but uh, well, I'm sorry, no, I mean more like eighteen, nineteen years, but. Um, but the studio has a character that's sizable in a big comic book movie. And so it was it, the uh, conference room discussion that happened was, well, let's get a guy who's willing to put on all that makeup right. and moves well in it, get someone who's good at that, at that. And then we'll also get someone who's good at dialogue who's yeah. famous that we can attach their name to. And that, that's the, how the discussion comes out. So no fault of theirs. They're just trying right, to market right. a movie. Um, but what that does to an actor like me yeah. is it's it, is that it, it's a slight insult that, that that I couldn't do the entire character like everybody else in the movie is right. doing their entire character right, right? right. so that's that, that's the start of it okay. um, uh, by the time the Silver Surfer came around um, uh, it, it made less sense then to me yeah. uh, honestly um, because I had a little bit of a name by then but not a big Pan's Labyrinth was still yet to come out right. people hadn't discovered mm-hmm. me from that yet. And and Hellboy Two was was in the ba- about to be made where I was going to get my own voice uh, for, to play Abe Sapien. I did right. my own voice um, as Abe Sapien and the Angel of Death in Hellboy Two. Uh, and so, is that something now that you can basically say up front? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. In fact, in fact, oh, now it, it 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 I know the pain that comes with being voiced over later. Mm-hmm. So going into any contract situation now, yes, That's it comes okay. with. By the way, don't please don't do that to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just you know. Uh, but it's it's a matter of, of of letting a studio, letting casting people feel comfortable with the, with uh, an actor who wears lots of makeup can also mm-hmm. act. You yeah, know, man. it's not. Yeah. Um, hopefully there's been a resurgence of that golden era where Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, uh, Lon Chaney could do their own talking. You yeah. know, and they were considered movie stars uh, doing the same kind of thing that I do. And yeah. so uh, there's nothing wrong with bringing that kind of respect back. Do you have any interest in uh, in Wolfman? I, in, in seeing it, absolutely, I do. Okay. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, and of course, uh, friend Rick Baker did the uh, makeup for that, so yeah. I can't wait to see it. Um, and those, all those those old classic Universal monsters, um, they touch my heart. Yeah. Um, well, and uh, um, speaking of Universal monsters and Guillermo del Toro, while we're on this, can we talk about this what? for a minute? Sure, sure. By all means, we were talking about it before. I think were you? Were you? Well, yeah. While he was doing his his press tour for his 
vampire book called The Strain that he co-wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was talking to the BBC in England and happened to mention that coming up uh, uh, later in his film work, he wants to do his own version of Frankenstein after he's finished with the Hobbit movies mm-hmm. and uh, that he would have me as his um, Frankenstein's monster. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we hadn't talked about it yet. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's uh, just letting you know. Yeah, yeah. He's got a little uh, job security. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's very, very. So we, you know, we're five, five years away from making that happen. Yeah. But uh, so you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm on my knees, you know, praying that this does indeed come true because that would be. That would be a, a career pinnacle for yeah. me. And also a dream come true for Guillermo, who has wanted to do Frankenstein since he was a kid. That was the no. movie, that was the book that inspired him in the first place, mm-hmm. he says. Do you know what his interpretation of the monster would be? Would it be more Karloff, where it's just like kind of grunting? No. Or would it be like Mary Shelley, where he actually talks quite a bit? Going back to the book with okay. Mary Shelley, and uh, there's a version of the book that's been illustrated by Bernie Wrightson. Hmm. Uh, uh, the, it's Bernie Wrightson's artwork of the monster that has really inspired Guillermo and oh. with casting me. Mm-hmm. Um, from what he says, uh, uh, t- uh, thinner, more emaciated, yeah. uh, empathetic, pathetic mm-hmm. at times, yeah. um, and the relationship between monster and creator, Doctor von Frankenstein, yeah. uh, is very is what he really wants to explore, and yeah. the pain that comes with it. It's a tragic story, but a beautifully tragic story, mm-hmm. and he wants to uh, do his own thing. From what he said, you know, I can't speak for him, but right. from everything I've read, this is what's coming out of him. Yeah, I never. Uh because I, I read the well, I, I love the the Karloff version, and then I, mm-hmm. I uh, oh yeah, and I read the book. I, I never viewed it as a horror uh, no. story at all. No, 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 no. It's been interpreted that way a bunch, but uh, mm-hmm. but it always just seemed like like yeah, I guess it is a reanimated corpse. A- admittedly, yeah, no, there is sure. that. No, but right, there's something grotesque about him. But he's uh, but he's tra- he's so tragic. He was yeah. I mean, who hasn't felt like this Frankenstein monster character yeah. before? Uh, like 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 looking at myself physically, I feel oftentimes like I've been sewn together with spare parts from other people. You know, mm-hmm. um, I also feel like a monster in a world that I don't really fit in. I mean, who, what mm-hmm. teenager doesn't go through that yeah. phase, right, right? Which right. I certainly did, and I took it into my 30s with me. So. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I get it. I yeah. get it. Um, yeah, I was I was going to to go back uh, a little bit to what you were talking about. Um, I was going to ask, you know, stuff like what happened, you know, with the, the first Hellboy and then mm-hmm. and Silver Surfer and somebody coming in and doing, you know, uh, overdubbing. Um, I was going to ask if that, you know, if that is, uh, fr- you know, frustrating and even even a little hurtful because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've in in preparation for you know this episode i i talked to some people and and describe you know describe what you do mm-hmm. and uh and it's really amazing and and i'll actually go back to an episode that we recorded with maurice lamarche who's a voice actor and it's fascinating to hear you know people they somehow feel the need to differentiate yes and they say like well there's a real actor right and then there's a voice actor uh, right. and then there's uh, what was the what was the suit the performer suit performer you know mm-hmm. which it, it's it just so it's so devaluing and it's you know it just really have you run across that in your in your life like with like a direct experience where someone just seems almost disappointed that you're not a quote unquote real actor oh well i mean not not from the fan base no right, uh, right. but it, it, at the uh at the studio level and the um well, you know, when contracts are being drawn up for a film, it's, it mm-hmm. makes it very easy for a for the studio lawyers to say, well, he's a suit performer. Yeah. And what comes with that is a lower salary, they would love to think. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why it took some retraining. It just took, it took a little bit of... And, you know, and again, through no fault of their own. I, I, I don't fault anybody for this assumption because it, it, it is a weird category to, 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 to try to figure out and to try to reconcile in your own mind. Like, 
this guy who wear you know who becomes creatures from other worlds and 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 people may not recognize my face at a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do with that? How do you categorize that? I don't. Yeah. So I don't blame anybody. I'm not. I'm, I'm never angry about it. It's just. Uh, it, but but frustrating. Sure, it has yeah. been at times. Yeah, I am fascinated at the at the notion. Um, I, I thought you know, David Hyde Pierce did a, did a perfectly fine job. He, he did and from indeed. what I from what I I read, um, he was actually kind of kind of cool about like doing publicity because he was he, beyond cool. The story goes like this. Um, uh, the, the the voice of Abe Sapien hadn't been really fully decided upon mm-hmm. before I was cast uh, to play the character on film. Um, uh, they had had that discussion, that boardroom discussion of guy in suit, guy on on voice. Right. Um, and when I came into it, I was told on that first day, uh, mm-hmm. my first meeting is uh, that we're thinking of doing a celebrity voiceover with this. And I said, oh, for the love of Pete, please don't. So my name was well, you know. So it was the discussion went on like, well, if you give us a sound that that that, uh, that would uh, work for the character, we'll we'll put your name into the voice hat with the others. Mm-hmm. And at the time, if I remember correctly, it was uh, Kevin Spacey, Steve Buscemi, and David Hyde Pierce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, my name was added in as the fourth one. I'm in consideration then. Yeah. Well, I went through the entire film, uh, um, feeling a little bit like I was auditioning every day to make sure that like right. do I sound okay today. Yeah. Um, and um, by the end of it, though, I felt like I had re- that I had given them what they wanted. Um, but what at the end of the day, when it comes to marketing, the film's been made now. Mm-hmm. Marketing that movie, uh, studio executives also heard my 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 voice on film, and nobody was nobody was rattled by it or, or thought it was horrifically bad. Um, <clears throat> every, they they thought my performance was great. Guillermo himself said he loved my performance, uh, vocally and visually. Mm-hmm. But it was the studio executive saying to him at the time, um, didn't we talk about a celebrity voiceover? They're, and they're thinking, ka-ching, mm-hmm. ka-ching. They're thinking seats mm-hmm. filled with butts. Uh, what would help that would be an A-list name to, to attach yeah. to it. Frasier was just on its last season. Uh, David Hyde Pierce, you know, a very notable sound in your ear that's like yeah. very familiar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so don't you owe us a session with someone like a David Hyde Pierce? Mm-hmm. So David Hyde Pierce was indeed called in to do a voiceover session. Now here's where the story got got very sweet, though, is he's holding the earpiece to his ear, hearing my original track right. in his ear, watching me on film, and this this utter respect for me came out. And he, mm-hmm. when he said, um, "What am I doing here?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, he so he didn't really understand the reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the artistic reason. He right. understood the marketing reason, like the rest yeah. of us did. Um, and he, uh, did the job he was hired to do and did it very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it came time to, um, promote the film, uh, he declined having his name in the credits. Mm-hmm. He declined, uh, his invitation to the premiere. He declined, uh, all the interview and press opportunities that were afforded him through this movie. Mm-hmm. When asked why he said it's out of respect to Doug Jones. That was, wow. People don't actors don't do this for each other. Right. Yeah. We're a bunch of a selfish bu- bunch of beasts, and for him to be that <clears throat> that humble about this and that mm. that um, that sweet and thoughtful to me yeah. was something uh, I, I have never met him to this day in, in person. Mm-hmm. But when I do, he's getting a kiss right around <laughs> on the left cheek there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And and then you you know did do the the voice in Hellboy too, and it, and it was it was great. I and mean, and also was... did the voice of Abe Sapien for the animated features. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Sort of. Stormed. My roommate immediately <laughs> pointed that out last. Did he? Night. <laughs> okay. Okay. So they and know. He, as he was pointing to it on our shelves. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. See, we have it right there. His it's, name's it's on right the there. box. Let's watch it now. Yeah. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> yeah, which was which was very sweet. And, and the, the animated films were a good transition between Hellboy one and two. Mm-hmm. That the loyal fans would find those animated features and mm-hmm. would be introduced to my voice in the right. character instead, and uh, and it wasn't a shocking change because yeah. I I when I did my original voice in Hellboy One, I was directed uh, to sound a little bit like Niles Crane from Frasier mixed yeah. with a little bit of Hal the Computer from Two Thousand One A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Hmm. So so I had a David Hyde Pierce ilk to my mm-hmm. to my vocal delivery anyway right and so going from David Hyde Pierce back to Doug Jones again wasn't it, it seemed rather painless mm-hmm. which I'm so grateful for yeah. when the message boards lit up the day after the first animated feature aired on Cartoon Network I was terrified thinking like okay here here comes the scathing comparisons and yeah. remarks and there were n- nothing bad was said. It was all about like, oh my gosh, Doug's got a great voice. Why did they ever have it voiced over in the first place? I don't yeah. understand. This That's is awesome. perfect. He sounds great. He's a, it fits. Da da da. So I was actually very emotional that day. <laughs> like, oh good, it worked. Yeah. It worked. It worked. Yeah. yeah. Now moving on to um, something that a little is a little more seen. Uh, you've got is it my name is Jerry? My name is Jerry. Yes. yes. So which was shot at your college? Yes. Correct? So is is there any as as far as you and like moving forward in your career do you do you have any feeling uh as far as what what you want to do in terms of you want to do more sort of you can see my face work or more care, uh creature work I'll call right. it like do you have a preference or is it just sort of whatever the role requires you know um uh Six, seven years ago, I would have definitely said, I would love to leave the rubber behind one day and, and, and retire with my own face on film. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but in those past six, seven years, yeah. um, uh, like I said, this resurgence of respect and the golden era uh, where I, I've been treated with, with artistic integrity mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and now people are allowing me to be a movie star. Mm-hmm. And the characters are not just like... I'm a suited up monster going and swiping people, people's right. heads off. I've been given great dialogue, great relationships, great allegorical stories where this monster is, is portraying every human emotion that we all feel. Mm-hmm. Um, those kind of roles, I'll do those till the day I die. Yeah. That's fine. Um, I also do enjoy working in a movie like My Name is Jerry where I get to play a middle-aged white guy wearing a suit and tie, carrying a briefcase, and having his midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I uh, threw a weird coincidence uh and i think i had mentioned this to you uh kind of early on in our emails back and forth uh my friend zach believa is that i went to school with is one of the producers producers from my name is jerry right and uh and i was i I was a part of the very first like read through not necessarily like uh not like an official thing but just the like the writer needed to hear like all the dialogue dialogue. right and uh so zach said hey tyler you like this kind of thing why don't you come on down and uh read this part and this part and and so I thought, oh, okay, all right, this sounds fun. And I said, so who's going to, you know, you guys have someone for Jerry? And they said, oh, yeah, it's going to be Doug Jones. And I'm like, Doug Jones? That's that's great. Like, I, was, I was so excited. Oh, real excited. Oh, thank you. Ah. Yeah, I was, I was excited for you that's at, really the, at, nice. the, at the very least because you got to see your own face. Yeah. And uh, But also it's just I, I feel like it's it will get people to see you in a different way. Because mm-hmm. I've seen you – I saw you on um, – uh, shoot, Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds. I did a couple episodes. Yeah, yeah. and I, I I saw the one where you're uh, Beanie, Beanie the Fight Club, the Fight Captain. Club guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was so. another departure for me, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You look pretty, uh, pretty thank rough. You. Thank you. you. Know. Yeah, I was surprised at how that worked. <laughs> yeah. So I I really I really feel like uh, 
like My Name Is Jerry because the the script is is very solid. It's just it's a yeah. it's a good film. It has a lot of potential. I know it's it's doing festivals right now, right? It's doing is the it... festival circuit right now and doing very well. We've won lots yeah. of awards, and I was even nominated cool. for best best actor uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the International Film Festival in London. But we we just won uh, like we won best comedy film at the Route sixty six festival in Illinois. Mm-hmm. We just won best feature film here at the Santa Clarita Film Festival right here in the L A area. Yeah. Um, so it's it's doing mad crazy goodness, and we have a, about three or four different distribution deals on the table, and we're like inches away from accepting one, and then you'll have it on DVD and probably cable TV. I'm, I'm guessing it's nice. be a, it'll have a, it should have a nice run, and it's a, it's a nice independent vibe dramedy story about you mm. know with relationships and talking heads which again mm. was a, a departure for me no visual effects nothing nothing glued onto my face no. and and which I've done before I've done a lot like I said you know a lot of TV guest starring and lots mm-hmm. of uh, you know smaller parts in films but this is my first time carrying the film as the title character right. no. with my own face which brought a whole new kind of stress and pressure with it no. oh my gosh I was terrified but um just the sheer amount of dialogue too. Yeah. Yeah. There was like two scenes in the entire film that I wasn't in, uh, which meant that every day, you know, uh, and, and we, you know, on an independent film budget, uh, uh, we had to shoot fast. So we did the right. entire feature in three and a half weeks, mm-hmm. which meant 11 to 12 pages of dialogue a day. Mm-hmm. So at the wrap of every day, my, uh, they, had, they gave me an intern from the college we were sh- shooting at. Uh, to run lines with me, so we would go to a Waffle House and stay up until the wee hours. <laughs> oh. Until don't you love? I love it. The, pancakes the at midnight are the best. They're the best, exactly. And the fact that you can you can have like, like oh man, bacon, and I think I'll follow it up with a piece of pie. No, right, right, best. right. At night, somehow it doesn't count. It doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly, it's true. There and keep the coffee better. coming. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I have eight cups. There's nothing better, I think, for the artistic process than, no, than, uh, than a Waffle, than house. waffle house. Oh yeah, it's so true. So, uh, so, so, uh, Betsy, bless her heart, would, uh, would, would run lines with me until I was off book for the next day. And then, then, nice. so my days were long. Yeah. 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 Just in a completely different sort of way. In a different sort of way, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for it to for it to come out. And you say it'll probably be like within a year, within a few months. I think. I, I think I, well, we we were supposed to have uh, have a deal cinched up by the end of January. So mm-hmm. I haven't heard the news now that we're okay. in the middle of February. I haven't heard the news of what happened yet. Hope hope so. Uh, and. Um, and I don't know what, how how quick the turnaround is on on deal being signed to DVDs and right. the stores. No. I don't know. I don't know no. uh, when when that is. But um, other films coming out with my own face would be I play a mafia hitman in a movie called Grayscale. Nice. Uh, also, which should be going straight to DVD. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's uh, but it, but a good solid story. Yes, there's there's a you know mafia mayhem and murder and and uh, blood in it. But the the over the overlying storyline is really redemptive and full of hope and forgiveness. It's a, it's a great story written by Ryan Dunlap that he also plays the title character in. And we filmed it in Tulsa last year, hmm. Oklahoma. Uh, and another movie, uh, Oh, what else, what else do I have coming? I got, I got more stuff coming. I all kinds of stuff coming. No. Well, I mean, people can find, uh, you know, all kinds of, uh, pretty much everything Doug Jones related is available. If I'm not mistaken, the Doug Jones Experience.com. That is correct. The right. Doug Jones Experience.com. All right. Google me. You'll find it. I don't just want a Doug Jones Experience. You want the right. Doug Jones Some Experience. Some haphazard. No, that's yeah. right. That's half right. experience. No, well, thank you. Right. You know, you know, you're kind of having one right now. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, 
Yeah. <laughs> As is the listener, which is very okay. exciting. But it's not official unless it's on the <laughs> yeah. right. it's, Unless it's on the <laughs> webernet. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, well, we this didn't, isn't part of the canon. We didn't <laughs> get to the topic specifically, but I wasn't really anticipating getting there. Oh, are we done? Uh, yeah, we're at 55 minutes. Oh, wow. okay. See, I told you I could yammer on. You shouldn't it's, let me do this. It's perfectly fine. Uh, <laughs> I, I, as I said, I kind of expected it. And it was, it was interesting stuff. And then, yes, okay, here's the thing. Just to throw a bone. Listen to me. What? It's my fault. It's your fault, yes. Just to throw a bone to my <laughs> absent co-host. I'm going to bring up something I know nothing about. So I'm just going to throw it to you. To me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Why don't you throw it up in the air? We'll see who catches it. Okay. Okay. It's not going to be me. All right. All right. I'm going to forbid you. No, I'm not going to try. No, he's pointing okay. at his co-host. Oh, uh, oh yes. <laughs> uh, guest host, okay. please. Guest host. Um, guest co-host. <laughs> yeah. <it's... laughs> titles, titles. All right. My lucky friend. How about that? Um, but okay, the so. Uh, Okay, so uh, David is a huge fan of Buffy the, the Vampire Slayer. Slayer. Uh-huh. Uh, I've not seen a, seen a single episode. Everyone says I love it. I'm sure I will, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of shows I haven't even I haven't seen a single episode of. There's a lot out there. Um, so I don't know anything about the episode you were on. Right. I did enough enough research to re- realize that you were called a gentleman. I was the uh, yes, I was the leader of the gentleman. The leader of the gentleman. We were the guest uh, guest star villains of this one particular episode called Hush. Okay. It was called Hush because we stole the voices of everybody in Sunny Sunnydale. And um, and I uh, and then we ripped their hearts out, <laughs> but we were very gentlemanly about it. We did. Oh, yeah. We floated. Well, we floated about six inches off the ground, and uh, we're very very polite and uh, but wordless. It was another wordless <laughs> character, and, and in oh, fact, oh. very daring for a television show to do that episode. Uh, written and directed by the creator Joss Whedon, mm-hmm. which uh, which was uh, nice to have him involved with that particular episode. Yeah. Um, he. Uh, uh, wrote this story so that my character I, I stole everybody's voice in the middle of the night and put it into a bo- put all their voices into a little box mm-hmm. next day everybody wakes up nobody in Sunnyvale can talk including Buffy and her gang uh, so over half the show was done without verbal dialogue nice. so all of the all of the visual dialogue that we've been wow. talking about yeah. here these actors are with no creature makeups on uh, yeah. you know uh, doing the, the guest the, 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 uh, the series regular roles all had to find a new way to communicate that episode. It was really innovative and great. The network at the time was kind of scared, like, uh, are you kidding? You're taking, like, stimulation away from the viewer? We're going to lose them. Mm. And in, in well, st- if you just look at Sarah Michelle Geller, That's enough. I mean, that's, that's enough. For me, right. I'm okay. Words, no words. Just just, <laughs> yeah. just stand there and be pretty. But no, but <laughs> She's so good at that. <laughs> she, 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 she is. No, but she, she's really good. I, I, what was nice, though, is that, that inst- it had the opposite effect. Mm-hmm. The viewer tended to lean in and like, and we were mesmerized by this mm-hmm. silent dialogue that was going on mm-hmm. um, in that episode, and it was an Emmy nominated. And mm-hmm. and and TV Guide even said that that uh, uh, the gentlemen characters were the scariest villains the show ever had. Oh, nice! So uh, that was very, uh, awesome. very, very nice feather in the cap. Yeah, yeah. David said it, it's uh, one of his uh, five favorite uh, episodes. And yeah, uh, be, I know I've heard him mention it. I've yeah, he's he's the, mentioned the on this hush. like in the last month. Actually, oh, okay. he talks about the show a lot, but. Um, and it, it actually, I was I was curious, having not seen it, but just heard what it was about. Um, you know, you have mime experience, mm-hmm. and people think of you as as a physical guy okay. who doesn't necessarily need dialogue, or for all intents and purposes, his face to be seen um, <laughs> to really get a uh, get across a character. Um, did the other actors 
ask you for advice at all? No, uh, no, no. Well, <laughs> we, we no, well, seriously, we, you know, you're, when you're coming into uh, uh, season four or five, mm-hmm. I forget, it was season four or five mm-hmm. of a show that's been up and running, you are the country cousin who's coming to visit the family. You're okay. not a part of that right. immediate family. Uh, so we were guest stars on one of it. We're not going to come in and tell Sarah Michelle Geller how to move. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, nor, nor would I want to. Uh, yeah. No. They, they, the cast all found their own their own voiceless voice for that yeah. episode yeah and uh, and we we were we were from somewhere else we we were not human exactly okay uh so but just human enough that that's where the freaky came in right we, we looked like aged humans with saggy sort of skin and these dark circles around our eyes and big smiley we smiled the entire episode <laughs> big silver teeth smiling oh, nice. smiling smiling so we looked very happy and gentlemanly uh, and we're, we were, you know, very, very nodding to each other, like, oh, no, you first. Oh, no, you first. You know, <laughs> with a knife on our hand, ready to tear someone's heart out. But yeah. like, oh, no, you go ahead. This one's yours. <laughs> it, that's all the nonverbal dialogue that was happening. So it, that's the freaky part of, of those characters was... What was your costume? Yeah, long, dark, uh, long, long black jacket okay. uh, with a uh, suit. Okay. Uh, with, you know, with um, uh, pants to match and a uh, white shirt with a little, little uh, western sort of tied bow tie sort of thing okay. hanging down. Kinda Were you wearing like a, a dark city a little bit? We, yeah, we, it does kind of. It yeah. felt period ish. So you yeah. don't know what period we came from, but we were not from Sunnyvale at, in that present day for sure. Were you wearing bowler hats? I imagine bowler hats. Uh, no, we, uh, they would have fit the, okay. the look, but we did not have them on. Oh, no. man. Man. We were bald. I'm think, I am kind of thinking Riddler. Man, they missed an oh, opportunity there. there, you go, there you go. But. Uh, all right. Well, uh, well, since we since we have a little more time, can I can I ask like one or two more questions? <sighs> you are treading on thin ice, Eakin. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I'll make the question brief. We have no we have no control over how long that, that's talk. right. Okay, you just give me the minute the minute count. How many minutes do I have? Again, <laughs> I, I think I, I have a minute and a half. Right, so, let me yeah, hear so. the question first. I'll let you know. Okay. I want to know: Are there any are there any other um, either actors, uh, physical performances that you really like? Um, you mentioned sort of the, the, the classic creatures and things like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so are there any other like physical actors who you really respect or directors who seem to have uh, – to whom physicality is a large part of their work who you really would like to work with? Right, 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 right. Ready, go. Ready and go. Well, yeah, no, um, um, going back to those classic – when I was a kid watching Boris Karloff do The Mummy and do Frankenstein um, – Yes, I respect him beyond belief, uh, and wanted to be him when I grew up. So, um, but also uh, it, more in modern day, Tim Curry did a, did a, a, a character in Legend. Am I getting mm. this right? Oh yeah, yeah. That was like a, a, a devil character. I forget his name. I forget the name of the character in the, in the movie. It's, is it just dark- darkness? Darkness. I think it might be darkness. And it was one of the most stunning performances I've ever seen in my life, and it's, it lives lives with me till this day. Talk about horns. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about horns. Exactly right. Right, right. Um, uh, uh, and one of my gentleman's cohorts in that Buffy episode went on mm-hmm. to do more Buffy episodes as different uh, demon-y sort of characters. He played Gnarl. He played uh, uh, the Uber Vamp. And for Buffy fans, they'll know what that is. I yeah. don't. Um, uh, and then he went on to do a couple episodes. Sounds of- like really fast piano playing. It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uber vamp. Let's do an Uber vamp. Yeah. Uh, oh, I hate you so much, Jason. And okay. He, <laughs> and he also did a couple of episodes of uh, Angel, mm-hmm. you know, which was a branch off yeah. uh, spinoff series. So um, Camden Toy is his name. And Camden is, is uh, boy, uh, if you go back to the Buffy episode, for you Buffy fans out there, when you see the episode with Gnarl in it, that, that singular t- television episode is one of the 
finest acting performances of any type I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. I'm a huge fan of my friend Camden Toy. Uh, directors who get it, also Tim Burton, who I did work with mm-hmm. um, in Batman Returns. I played oh, the right. thin clown the in thin that, clown, which was not right. a creature. It was just like a faded clown mm-hmm. from a that was hanging out with the with Danny DeVito and the gang, the Red Triangle Circus gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tim Burton was one of those directors who gets it. Mm-hmm. He totally gets it. And when you see his work with Johnny Depp, of course, yeah. he gets it. When you see something like Edward Scissorhands or... Or any of the number of incarnations that, that he's that he's directed Johnny in, uh, he's a director that I would love to work with again, but in a bigger, more significant type role. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. You got anything else there, Jason? I'm sure I could come up with something. Oh no, no, oh, no, no! I no. do have another, oh. I do have another question. Uh-oh. Oh Uh-oh. man, you just oh, you keep opening that can. <laughs> yeah, you you can. It's your fault. I know. It really is. You shouldn't ask me if I have any questions. Mm. You should just end the show. Otherwise, <laughs> you said you had a couple, and that I was do. one. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so... Uh, I'm no mathematician, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to film school. Talking yeah. about like uh, just sort of the new ways, and you talked about like a resurgence in sort of... Um, I keep forgetting the... I want to just call them creature actors, but that's not right. Suit performers. Yeah. Suit performers. Yeah. So the resurgence in that, there, there's also like a, you know, a branching out and moving on to, uh, you know, performance capture. Uh, oh, motion, motion capture, yeah, for motion capture, CG, which is something yeah. I've nev- never done in a film before. And so I was, uh, I was listening to a uh, an interview uh, at Comic Con with Peter Jackson and uh, James Cameron. Mm-hmm. And since Peter Jackson's going to be involved in The Hobbit, mm-hmm. and they were both talking about really wanting to experiment with that, um, what is what is your take on performance capture? Do you sort of see it sort of like a super performer, just another tool? For a performance to come across, yeah. or well, uh, let's see. Let's use Andy Serkis, uh, mm-hmm. who played Gollum in Lord of the Rings. Uh, his his example would mm-hmm. be uh, he was interviewed about the same thing countless times, right? Mm-hmm. And he and I have been equated with each other countless times as well. Um, he will tell you that he uh, he approaches a performance like that as an, any actor would pr- approach a performance. Okay. Same thing I just described to you. Mm-hmm. Get to the script. Get to the director. Get to the character. Find out his heart, his soul, and and a physicality comes with that. They'll film it with if whether you're wearing an, a makeup that makes you look like that or a leotard with dots on it, mm-hmm. and they add the makeup later digitally. Okay. That that's how that's how he refers to it. And I'll just I'll, I will just echo Andy Circus's uh, sentiments on that. That uh, a performance is a performance, and what they do with it in post production to add or enhance or whatever is uh, is is only only icing on the cake. Okay. All right. I have okay. No other and we're done. Okay. <laughs> and, we're, and we're done. The so, interview rests. All right. So, uh, so let's see. David usually covers this last part. So here we go. Battleshippretension.com for all your Battleship Pretension needs. You can email us, Tyler at Battleshippretension.com or David at Battleshippretension.com. Jason does not have an email address um, with not us. Not at Battleshippretension.com. No, no. Oh, but, and you don't need to know his actual one. That's fine. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at The Pretension. You can follow me at More Lessons, which is my, uh, the official Twitter of my other podcast, More Than One Lesson. Um, let's see. You can find us on iTunes, uh, and I have while a you're there as well, Tyler. What was that? You sure do. Uh, and so, <laughs> so while uh, <laughs> I'm just, this is how the guest host episode is going to be. I'm just going to make fun of my friends. It's great. Um, David wouldn't stand for any of this. <laughs> this is the best. Um, but the uh, and while you're over on iTunes checking us out, uh, why not write a nice review? That'd be the best. We'd really love it. Uh, and subscribe to the show while you're there. Donate button. There is also, thank you, Jason. There is also a donate button. There's a couple options with that. You can either just choose a, a random uh, amount to donate, and that's up to you. Or, if you like, you can do a donation subscription 
$2 a month. Oh, that's not much. It sure isn't. Thank you, Jason. It's uh, for about a year, mm. and uh, which comes to a total of 24 but in increments of $2, as David would say, you don't even feel it. You don't even feel it. You don't even feel it. And so, uh, so thank you for bringing up the donate uh, button. I really do appreciate that. Um, and uh, oh, and then you can see uh, uh, a few photos from our live show on uh, Battleship, which was fantastic. Thank you very much, Jason. Um, you can find those at BattleshipPretension dot com. Uh, and then, of course, the Doug Jones Experience dot com. And that's kind of like that's the sort of the clearinghouse for all things Dougie on the on the Webernet. It certainly uh, seems <laughs> to be. Yes, you can click on my Twitter button there. It'll take you to my Twitter page, which uh, yeah. is which is sure. at actor Doug Jones. All right. Uh, it can, it'll take you to Facebook. Now, Facebook, I'm having issues with because uh, my personal page is where, and I like to have personal access. Right. Personal pages there only only go up to five thousand friends. Oh. I, I have now. I have one thousand three hundred and some waiting to be to hear back from me about their friend requests. Oh my! Because I'm I'm at 3,700 and some. I'm also at 3,800 friends now. Mm -hmm. And if I add everybody that is requested, then I will be over my 5,000 limit today. So so I'm getting to that point where it's like, uh oh, I better start an official fan page there, which I don't want to call it that. And people don't want to be on that. But... Uh, but if I'm running it myself, then then it won't be a fan page right. run by like a publicist for me or something. It will be me uh, having access. So so uh, be be. But I think right now the Facebook button on my official website, the Doug Jones Experience dot com, uh, will take you to a group page, the okay. Doug Jones Experience group page. So join that, and then I'll send a message out to, on, on that when when it's time to to uh, transition over to a fan page. Okay, now, of course you and I are Facebook friends because I we made are. the cut. You know, yeah, I'm you just did. saying. Yeah, you did. You know, I'm also on the MySpace. I, 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 I'm still old school with the MySpace. Uh, uh, yeah, you can find me there, actor Doug Jones. I won't well. even try to be your friend on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you can't. No, we, no, we, we've talked, we've met. There's love. Try. You can try. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying I will. But, uh, but, uh, it's but, worth a shot. Yeah, sure, sure. Come on. It'd be cute to see you try. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and on that note, uh, thanks, Doug, for being here. Thank it was you really so much wonderful. for having me. This has been very comfortable and lovely. So, it's right. very nice talk. And you. thanks everybody for listening. And thanks, Jason, for filling in. What you is your tw- What is your Twitter? Oh, my Twitter is just twitter.com at uh, Eakin. I wish I had E-A-K-E-N. E-A-K-E-N. In all caps, I believe. That's right. I also have a blog, EakinWrites.wordpress.com. All right, and you can find all Ayo. of his, yeah, and and you will uh, occasionally blog for my other website, more than one more lesson. More than one lesson. So, yeah. all right, well, so there's a lot of Winterweb Lincoln up there. That's there, right. That's there is a lot. Yeah. There is a lot. Wow. That's fine. Our our listeners are web savvy. They are. Sure are. They are. So, and but, anything uh, you, you didn't hear or you can't remember, you just Google it. Absolutely, you'll find yeah. everything. In fact, one could make the argument that uh, this episode was completely useless because uh, you can find. I'd say all this information elsewhere. <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad I saved that to the end of the episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. That's a bad note to end on. What? Hey, it's too late. All right. Donate button. All right. <laughs> all right. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.